Scripture said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Lord, we thank you for your liberation. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom. We may not deserve it, but it's a work of grace. And we pray in the name of Jesus, as we open your word, as we discuss your word, Spirit of truth, Spirit of liberation, Spirit of life, breathe life into your word, breathe life into our life, bring renewal into our life, that your name be glorified, may our lives be revitalized, may our lives be revamped, may our life be refreshed, in the name of Jesus, blessed be the name of the Lord, in Jesus mighty name we'll pray. If you are able to clap, clap. If you are able to shout, shout. If God has been good to you, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Welcome to church. Happy Sunday to someone by your left. Happy Sunday to someone by your right. Monday may have been written off. Tuesday, perhaps not to talk about. Wednesday, perhaps not so good. Thursday, the rain is falling. Friday, the bees are going up. Saturday, there's a lot of chaos with the government. But there is one assurance. When we come on a Sunday, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. And that will be your testimony in Jesus' name. We're so glad to welcome you to church. Our pastor is away today with his family uh, in London. Uh, attending ordination, you'll be pleased to know. Hallelujah. So we are trusting God that they will be coming back to Swansea refreshed with more fire, more grace in Jesus' name. So my name is Augustine. I'm one of the senior leaders here, in case you see me for the first time. So good to have you here. I also want to appreciate um, Pastor for the opportunity to stand in his place this morning. And to every leader that walked behind the, the scene uh, to make God's word progress. Hallelujah. And I want to appreciate every worker, every of our volunteers. They are the most important asset we have in the house. There is a law that goes on in the background. God bless you. May your reward, your work of love, your labor of love not be in vain in Jesus' name. And to every of our members, thank you for coming to church today. Hallelujah. Amen. If you can't appreciate yourself, somebody appreciate them. Amen. Hallelujah. And especially for those joining us for the first time, we're so glad that you are able to join us today. God is good. This is God's family. I want to thank parents, mothers, fathers who woke up this morning and brought their children to church. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to those, our online family, thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. We pray that the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. For those who will be joining us, it's our month of liberty. Uh, we try to have a focus for the month. Uh, it keeps us as we grow uh, in the Lord. And the uh, pastor has brought God's word to us he, uh, from the very first Sunday. And you can access these resources on uh, the various medium. And I just want to be continuing uh, from that light uh, today. And I pray that God will enrich his word in our heart in the name of Jesus. And, and I just want to pick a little sub from our month of liberty uh, to speak on what I titled From Freedom to Freedom. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, From Freedom to Freedom. 
That freedom is a journey. Hallelujah. We're coming from somewhere, but we are not static. We are not idle. We are progressing on a journey to a destination. As much as we are excited about the freedom from, we should be more excited, more focused, more proactive on the freedom to and the freedom for. What is the essence of our liberation? Why are we saved? What is the essence of this freedom? Hallelujah. And I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So the anchor scripture we'll be looking at this month is from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, Paul writing to the, the church in Galatia. He said, it is for freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand. Hallelujah. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Um, I want to say that one of the greatest challenge that we face as Christians, one of the greatest adversity that we have to fight and combat is the temptation to sway away. Hallelujah. Is the temptation to take the wrong turn. Is the temptation to divert. Is the temptation to want to compromise. And Paul was hammering this to the church in Galatia that they should stand firm. Stand firm because we are in a battle. The world is in a battle. We are fighting a battle. And there is need for us as believers to stand firm. There is need for us not to be casual with our life, not to be casual with our Christian faith. There is need for us as young people, as parents, as mothers, as believers to stand firm. You don't want to be neutral. You don't want to be, oh, and neither there, I'm neither here. Stand firm, therefore, and do not let yourself be submitted, be exposed to the yoke of slavery. Why? Because the reason why Christ had to go through that sacrifice, it is that we, you and I, will be liberated. It's not a partial liberty. It's not a 90% liberty. It is in totality. It is total. It is complete. And we must take hold of this freedom. But it's not just accepting the freedom, but it's for us to live in the reality of the freedom that Christ has purchased for us with his blood. The freedom from is not the liberty for us to go away and do as we like. We are not free so we can live as we like. We are not free so we can break the law. We are not free so we can just sit down and sit idle. No. We've been liberated from our past. We've been liberated from our sins. We've been liberated from our past errors. We've been liberated from those past history. We've been liberated from every enchantment or every shackles of the devil. We've been liberated from every family tradition, every chains, every barrier that might have been placed to hold us bound. But that liberty must not be abused. That liberty must be understood and explored and lived. So it is a transition. And it went on in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 to 33. He said, whether then you eat, you drink, you dance, you use your phone, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook. Somebody's already saying, it's adding to the scripture. <laughs> whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, in that whatever you do, there is so many things encompassed in that. Whatever you do, whether you're driving, you're singing, you're getting married, 
You're giving birth to children. Can you help me to complete that? What did Paul say? Do all to what? The glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Do not give offense either to the Jews, to Christians, to those that are Welsh, to those that are English, to Yoruba, to Igbo, to Hausa, to Ghanaian, to Jamaican, even to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking your own profit, but the profit of many. Hallelujah. So that they may be saved. So that they may be saved. What a wonderful letter to the church. The question then is, what is the true Christian liberty? What does it really entail? So I found this quote by Martin Luther. And he said, a Christian liberty is an utterly, a Christian is an utterly free man or free woman. He's a lord of all or she's a lord of all. She's subject to none. He's subject to none. However, a Christian is an utterly dutiful man or woman, is a servant of all, subject to all. What a paradox. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're free, totally free. No restrictions, no boundaries. We can go in any direction. That is fantastic. We are Lord of all. We can decide to be a boss and Lord over people. We can decide not to be subject to any authority. But then he went on to say, however, there are two sides to this con. As much as we have total liberty, we are also people that are on duty. Hallelujah. We are also servants. And as servants, we should be subject to all. We should be in service to all. Freedom from, freedom to. Most times we would rather accept the saving grace of Christ and say, we've been saved. No more church service. No more fellowship. No more righteous living. I just want to live as I like. It's a free word. It's my own word. But the word of God to us is, you are on duty. As a person on duty, you have to serve. You have to be subject under the law of grace. So liberty then is not the absence of restriction. True liberty comes when you subject to the life-giving restrictions of God. True liberty is living as God wants you to live, not as we want to live. It's living in prescription to the dictates of the kingdom, to the dictates of God. John 8.38 says, if God has set you free, he said, then you are free indeed. Peter puts it this way, he said, 1 Peter 2.16, he said, live as free people. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live at all times as servants of God. Do not use your freedom as cover-up. Most times we use the name of Christianity, the name of being a Christian, as cover-up for evil, as cover-up to shit our neighbor, as cover-up to manipulate people, as cover-up for us not to do the due diligence. But God is telling you and I this morning, including me, that we should use this liberty to live in accordance with the will of God. We shouldn't create wars that violates the true essence of freedom. 
But we should use that opportunity that we've been liberated, that sin cannot have any grip on us. We should use that as a springboard. We should use that as a momentum to live in a way that brings glory to the kingdom. We should use that as a momentum as God wants us to live. There is a, a living requirement or there is a minimum standard requirement for this liberation that Christ has offered to us. And on the one side, on the left-hand side, no one should commonize you. No one should use the past of yesterday to judge your identity. No one should use the errors of yesterday to belittle you or truncate your identity. But on the right-hand side, use that liberation. Use that freedom to serve. Use that freedom to serve God. Use that freedom for righteous living. Use that freedom to love. Hallelujah. Use that freedom to express love. In this new freedom, you are able, things that were impossible before, in this freedom, you are able to give out love and be loved in return. And I want us to make a declaration even this afternoon and say, I am what I am, by the, but by the grace of God. I can't be anything other than what God has called me to be. So I'm going to concentrate on being the best me I can be and celebrate every moment of it. Turn that into a prayer. It is not what your parents have called you. It's not what the society has called you. I am who I am by the grace of God. I won't be anything else. I won't try to dilute or mingle or try to get a false identity. But every day, every effort that I can put in, I will be the best of me. That is what this true freedom is. The best that I can be. And I will celebrate every moment of it. Whether it is good, it is bad, in the plenty, in the not so plenty, I will be the best that I can be. And I pray that that will be your testimony in the name of Jesus. That that will be your confession today. That will be your confession tomorrow. And as we live our life daily, we will live in the true identity of what the freedom of God has purchased for us in Jesus' name. The next question that God wants us to answer then is, what should be our disposition? What should be our attitude to this freedom? So like I said, there is a freedom from where God has liberated us from every error that we have made. God has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. He has redeemed us from bondage. He has redeemed us from every accusation of the enemy. But the buck does not stop there. It's a transition. It's a journey. What is the requirement in the other side of freedom? The freedom to or the freedom for? And there are five nuggets here that I will be sharing with us this afternoon. Now that we've been liberated, we must do the first thing. Forget what lies behind. Hallelujah. When you drive a car, and rather than look forward, all you're doing is just looking at the rear view mirror, you will crash. Hallelujah. Um, a young girl, um, very young girl, was um, learning the lost prayer. So she was saying the lost prayer. And then she got to the point where it says, Forgive us our trespasses. And she said, 
forgive us our trash baskets. Hallelujah. But the reality is, every one of us, we need a trash basket. Hallelujah. Whatever is in the past, just bin it. You've experienced failure in the past, trash basket. Hallelujah. You applied for that job and it didn't come true, trash basket. Hallelujah. You were expecting love, but what you got is, is heartbreak. It's in the past. Trash basket. Hallelujah. Don't allow the worries. Oh, I could have been this. Oh, I've made this error. Oh, I've made this, this, and that, and that. Make you miss out on the true benefits of this new freedom. So anything in the past, don't look back. Don't allow the problems of yesterday, the sickness of yesteryear. Don't allow the years that you may have missed or the time that you might have lost affect what God is doing in your life today and tomorrow. Most Christians, the reason why it look as if our life is not growing, majority of our attention, majority of our energy is eating up with the past. The past is what it is. It's in the past. You sitting down in the living room, you are at home, and all of a sudden the devil brings all these images. Oh, you could have been that and that and that. But you are not that. You are where you are today. Pick on that reality and move on. Don't let the excuses of yesterday, don't let the mistakes of yesterday hinder what God is doing in your life today. You know, we, we, we speak to a lot of people. Um, I mean, we welcome a lot of people to the church every, every Sunday. And somebody was like, oh, in my former church, when I was back home in XYZ country, this is that, this is that. And I, tell, I told the person, it's in the past. Hallelujah. I used to be bra bra bra, fire speaking. I sing and people slow on the anointing. It's in the past. Hallelujah. The past is gone. What are you doing now? Now that you are here, you've had heartbreak. As painful as it may be, you've lost someone. I lost my dad last year. As painful as it may be, my dad will be telling me, I'm gone. Live your life and live well. It's in the past. Philippians 3.13 said, Brethren, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward, it's not just moving. Hallelujah. It's not just moving. At times, the energy may not be there. At times, there is more momentum trying to push us backward. Paul said, I will try to strain. And I think I can relate with Paul. Because Paul was writing this letter to, to the church in, in Philippines. He was in prison. This was a man that has suffered shipwreck. This was a man that has gone through any terrible thing you can ever imagine. Paul went through it all. But he's saying... Despite my yesterday, no matter how bizarre yesterday might have looked, because Christ has set me free, because there is much more to gain in this other side of freedom, what am I going to do? I will forget those things that are behind. I will strain forward. I will look ahead. Hallelujah. We look at the scripture of the case of, uh, of Haggai. The well has always been there. But perhaps the heartbreak from Abraham's house. Oh, as Sarah might have mistreated her. You know, reflections in the back or just looking behind always have a way of blowing what is in the present. Hallelujah. The memories of the past has a way of blowing what is in the present. I can't love again. Every man is bad. Every woman is bad because of the heartbreaks of yesterday. Let the past be the past. 
And that is God's word to us today. Satan desires nothing more than to imprison us to our past. Yesterday's sin must not confine us or keep us from that which God has for us to do in his name today. There is so much work that needs to be done today. You know, someone once said that the two major causes of most emotional problems among Christians are, one, the failure to understand, to receive, or live out God's unconditional grace and forgiveness. And two, the failure to give out that unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace to others. Because that is what the past would do. The past hinders us from seeing God's grace and God's love for us today, but it's not just for us, it also hinders us from giving out that love. Because of the errors of yesterday, you can't love yourself as God wants you to love yourself. And that then blows your perspective, your imagination, when it comes to dealing with people. Every church is money. Hallelujah. That's what you say. Because the devil will tell you that. Because you've had an experience. And say, oh, yo, I don't want to go to church because they will eat my money. Oh, I won't go to church. There is disunity in the church. There is disunity everywhere. But what is your perspective? Tell your neighbor, let bygone be bygone. Let go of the past. And let God. Let go. Let God. In Jesus' name. Secondly, God is telling us today, be lane discipline and be content. Be lane discipline. You know, there's a scripture, I'm in prayer, so I've prayed this a lot, uh, but I never saw it in this light. Psalm 1 verse 3. It shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruits in its season. The emphasis here is fruits in its season. Fruits in its season. You look around. Brother A is progressing. Sister A has gotten married. Sister C has just bought a car. Brother E just passed his PhD once. What about me? But God is saying, be disciplined. Everyone has their season. Everyone, every fruit has its season. If the rice decide to grow in the season of maize, it won't turn out good. And the owners will bin it. We all have our season. And when it's your season, the devil cannot hold you bound. And God is saying, be content. Why it looks as if the answer is not yet coming? Why it looks as if the result is not coming? Why it looks as if everyone seems to be enjoying more of the benefit of this freedom than you are? You are devoted. You are hardworking. You are committed. You pay your tithe. You do everything. But for some reason, it looks as if the fruits are not coming. God is saying, be lane discipline and content. Because I will come true for you in my own time. And in my own season. In my own timing. Philippians 4, when you read from the verse 11, the scripture said, Not that I was ever in need, but I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. This is Paul speaking. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then he went on in verse 13. Why am I able to do all this? 
because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can survive in any season. There is economic crash. There is a lot of bad news out there. But be content. Be lean discipline. You know, someone said, when we are content, in the mode of contentment, we learn to make peace with God's pace. God is going at a frequency. Most times, we would rather God goes in our frequency. Content may bring peace. Most times, we are envious of our neighbor. We are jealous of our neighbor. And because of that, it affects our productivity. Why? Oh, I wish I've had this now. I wish I'm now. And God is saying, be disciplined. I will come through my timing. I'm in charge. I'm doing something new. But just be content. There is joy. There is power in contentment. There is power that comes when we say, God, we trust you. And in trusting you, we will maintain our lane. We will not try to sway to Sister A's lane or Sister B's lane. We will not try to force anyone's hand. The lack of contentment makes us to waste resources. And I've been in that. I remember when I came to Swansea so many years ago, I was just focused on getting my studies. And, and yeah, I had a lot of friends, but relationship wasn't part of them. And then all of a sudden around me, everyone was getting married. And then everyone was like, ah, you, you're getting old. How is it going to be? How far? You know when people start asking you, how far? Your pastor start asking you, how far? So all of a sudden, you want to force God's hand and have, just force the relationship. Force, just force yourself to know somebody. Yeah? It's just monotonous. You just want to be, okay, I will do this. I will invest in this. I will invest in that. So I had a friend back home. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, let's go. And then I was pumping money, pumping money, pumping money. At some point, God said, go and see. I remember traveling to Nigeria isn't cheap. Bought a lot of stuff. And I traveled. Very expensive trip. To see for myself. Now, I'm telling you a true life story. This is not cook up. I went and I saw the person for the first time. And God said, have you seen now? Hallelujah. You see, I wasted resources. I wasted time. But thank God for the grace of God. Because today, I got the best. Hallelujah. God will come through in his own time. Allow him, just align with his pace. Find peace with the pace of God. Find peace with the speed of God. If you feel God is going too slow, find peace in God being too slow. And continue serving. Continue loving him. Continue praying. And when it's time, your fruit will come in your season. Why not say that to yourself as a prayer? My fruits will come in my God-ordained season. Not in the season of my neighbor. Not in the season of my family members. No, in my own season. It will come. It will not tarry. But while I am waiting, I will trust God. Hallelujah. I will not allow the circumstances to detect how I feel. I will trust God. I will not allow the noise around me to detect how I feel. A great philosopher once said, nothing is enough for the man or woman to whom enough is too little. That is deep. Nothing is enough for that man, for that woman to whom enough is too little. 
you may look at your life and say, I'm not where I want to be. If you are honest with yourself, you are not where you used to be. Physically, it may look the same, but at least your trouser size has increased. Tell me. You know, when they want to spread my career, they go on Facebook and take pictures from so many. Don't do that. Don't. Hallelujah. But what am I trying to say? The word you call little in this season, that is God is saying, be content. If the enough that God has given you is not enough, when more than enough come, it will still not be enough. Because greed comes in. So where are you? Be honest with yourself and say, Father, I will be content. Because we look around. Hebrews 13 verse 5 said, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. People have pursued money. We come to Swansea, they come to the UK, and oh, I want to work. They walk around the clock, but it's never enough. Whereas those who have little, they are saving God fervently. And their life is not just growing in their pockets, it's growing spiritually. Because prosperity is not just money in your bank accounts, it's holistic. You grow spiritually, you grow mentally, you grow psychologically. Then, it was my maturity level. But then God helped me. I became wiser. Hallelujah. I was just looking. Oh, fine. Hey, fine. This fine. God said, look within. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. The next point God is telling us. That you should rejoice no matter what. And that ties in with the, with the previous point. Rejoice. Don't allow any circumstances detect your joy. Don't allow the haves and not haves decide whether you'll be happy or sad. Don't allow the devil give you a wrong image and you say, Sister, everything okay. No, 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 no. No, my joy is gone. Your joy does, is not gone because it's not dependent on man. It's not dependent on anyone. Our joy is dependent on God. You know, Philippians 4, 4 said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And he went to explain it, gladding yourself in God. Not in situations, not in circumstances. Again, he said, rejoice. It's a repetition. I come from a tribe when, if they want you to understand something, they say it twice. So the Bible is emphasizing it. It's not a recommendation, it's a command. Rejoice. Rejoice. See God's hand and rejoice. Make a choice to rejoice in every situation. Your joy should not be a chance factor. It should be a choice factor. It should be a choice. Your inner attitude should not depend on external circumstances. Our inner attitude should not have to be reflect. It should not reflect our outward circumstances. What is going on within should be as a result of what God is doing and the word of God that is within you, not as a result of external situations. Permit me to say, and don't find offense in this, if you haven't been joyful lately, you may not be looking at life from the right perspective. If you haven't been joyful recently, it could just be that you have the wrong God's perspective about the situations of your life. The word of God is telling us to rejoice. What does it mean to rejoice? When we, are, when we rejoice, no matter the situation, you and I, we are cultivating a perpetual attitude. And that attitude is basically saying, 
no matter what, our God is good. That our God can be trusted. That God will have the final say. That God will come true for me in my season, in his own timing. That is what you're saying indirectly. You lost your job. Rejoice. A heartbreak. It may not be happening now. Rejoice. Someone offended you. Rejoice. The church may not have met the expectations you were expecting or looking up to. Do what? In every situation, brother, rejoice. In every situation, rejoice. The economy may be up, up and down. Rejoice. Let joy be your gain. Let joy be your lifestyle. And teach your children to live a life of joy. Rather than a life of complaining, a life of fear, a, a, a life of anxiety. No, let joy be that springboard. This was a man who was in prison. But yet, he's saying, rejoice. I rejoice in the Lord. I gladden myself in the Lord. I gladden myself in what God is doing. Because God is always doing something new. The next point in this new freedom reality, some of you may not be comfortable with this point, but God wants us to hear it. That you and I, since we've been liberated, we should make room for the weaker Christians. Whenever we come to church and we mention the word weaker Christian, people don't want to hear that. Oh, we are all spiritual. We are all my short Christian. The reality, like I was telling my Sunday school class, every teacher, every professor, in another setting, he's a student. Hallelujah. So even if you said you are a matured Christian, at some point of your life, you were a novice, a learner. Hallelujah. And as we are seated here today, there are people that we categorize as experts. There are people that we can categorize as intermediate, those who are on, a, what do you call it, apprentice. There are those who are just starting their race. Do not use your freedom to cause those people to backslide. Do not use your freedom to create a wrong impression in the heart of those people. And the word of God is saying, make room for the weaker Christians. Do not let the fact that you can pray 10 hours not intimidate those who can pray for one second. Because that is a phase in their life. Do not let the fact that you can sing and the, the roof will come down and go back up intimidate those who cannot differentiate between key C and key D? Who can go in singing one second song, go from alto to tenor to soprano, all modulated together? God is saying, make room for the weaker Christians. No, I can't be there. They're not spiritual enough. Uh, Abba. Abba. Every one of us, we are on a journey. We are not there yet. The day you arrive, you will die. Sorry to say it. Because the day we are fully grown up, God will say, ah, my sister, you are ready. Let's go. We are all work in progress. Always learning. So once you feel that you've arrived at the top, stretch your hand and get somebody. Ephesians 4.16 said, he makes the whole body fit together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to do what? To grow so that you and I, the whole body, will become healthy, growing, and full of love. Permit me to say, the intention of God when he created us as believers, as Christians, we weren't meant to compete with one another. We were meant to complete one another. 
The Christian family shouldn't be a place for competition. It should be a place for completion. I can sing, you can pray. Hallelujah. You can sing, he can pray. She can meditate. Hallelujah. It all adds up. You know, I went to cut my son's hair yesterday and I, I met a, a member of the church and he said something that really struck my heart and God wanted me to mention it. He said, ah, bros, this church family, people are not very good when it comes to visitation and shaking up on members. And it struck my heart. As I was reflecting on that, I was driving. I know pre-pandemic, we had a group of people who would do that occupy that office. They've moved on. But in saying that, it's not a criticism on the church. It's an opportunity. An opportunity for some of us as we are seated here to pick up that mantle and say, there are people who may be new to the church. Pastor, how can I help to check up on those people? At times, it may just be a five-minute call. I want to take that as a mandate. As people say, Abba, came to church one Sunday. You know, you come again. Want somebody to visit you? You are a baby Christian. Some people need visitation. Some need pampering. It doesn't make them weak. Hallelujah. Use your freedom to enhance the life of people. Use your freedom in service. How can we do that? Number one, find common ground with those you make contact with. There's always something you can agree on. Hallelujah. There's always something you can agree on. Look at um, 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 23. To the weak, Paul is saying, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I'm, I may by all means in any and every way save some by leading them to faith in Christ. I do all this for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessing along with you. All things to all men. I find common ground to agree with people. You know, it is easy for you to be humble when somebody is your superior. Because it's your duty. You have to do it, otherwise you get P45. It's easy for you to uh, be humble, to respect those who are your equals. It's just courtesy. You have a PhD, I have a PhD. Courtesy demand that we're in the same level. But it takes a noble heart to be submissive for those who are lower or who are your inferiors. It takes the nobility of heart. And the word of God is telling us, find common ground to agree. Find common ground. There's always a common ground. So long it doesn't jeopardize or contradict the scripture. Don't get me wrong what I'm trying to say. Because when I say find common ground to agree, okay, the person is drinking alcohol. Oh yeah, champagne. No. Hallelujah. Avoid a know-it-all attitude. I know it all. What do you know? What have you learned? Yeah, I've been 20 years in the faith. Yeah, I have all the titles. No. There is always something you can learn from somebody. Hallelujah. There's always something you can learn from somebody. Like I said, I met this brother yesterday, and I learned a lot from just that five minutes conversation. The person may be in the, in the, in the congregation or watching us online. There's so much we can learn. If the day, like we always say, you stop learning, you start dying. Avoid the know-it-all attitude. 
But most importantly, make others feel accepted, not tolerated. Make people feel accepted. You know, I, I shared a story to my Sunday school class, I'm conscious of the time, where somebody came from London to deliver an item. He's a Muslim, I mean, from, from the outlook, you know, he's a Muslim. Friday in the afternoon, and then he said, okay, can I come in to do some paperwork? And then we finish the paperwork, and he said, oh, the time, he has to pray. He needs a space to pray. It's the first time somebody has made that request. I gave him a space to pray. And then he prayed. After praying, and he said, are you a Christian? He said, yes, I am a Christian. And we started talking. He was seeking advice on getting married, how to go about it, how to live life. He has so much money, doesn't know what to do. You see? <laughs> Hallelujah. May the Lord, by the grace of God, help us to get to that level. The point is, make people feel accepted, not tolerated. You may have the money to look good. Somebody else may not be in that level yet. But that doesn't mean that, ah, look at him, look at her. No, 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 no. Because this freedom demands, at times we have to sacrifice to feel, make people feel accepted. Be sensitive to their needs and concerns. Be spiritually sensitive. If you are in a relationship with somebody, look at them. Are they going through challenges? Is there a way you can help without putting it on your status indirectly? Thank God I'm not this status 101. Yeah? Because I see it a lot. No. Remember, as a believer, you should be a protector over other believers. Respect their privacy. Respect their time. Respect their person. They may not be perfect. Nobody's perfect. But respect people. If they need a space, give them the space. If they need the time, if you can afford it, give them time. Have a proper conversation. If you don't have the solution, don't waste their time. Don't be a time waster. Brothers, I'm coming to you. Don't waste that sister's time. Because you are multiple playing. Yeah? Like a draft. Chessboard. No. If you are not serious in that, be as clear. Sisters, please. Look for opportunity to impact Christ in them. The essence of our relationship is that we grow together. I, I don't want to be a parasite. No, don't be a parasite to people's life. It's a mutual relationship. Look for opportunity to bring the grace of God in them. If you can't, be a connector. You know what a connector does? It connects. I think this person will benefit from a friendship with pastor. Hallelujah. Or a friendship with my team leader. He needs prayer. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. And finally, point five. Maximize your divine access. This new freedom that we have means that we have access. Divine access. Access to what? Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place. You know, the New Living Translation used the word undeserved privileged. Another word for access. 
undeserved privilege. Where you and I, we can stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward in sharing the glory of God. This new freedom means that we can boldly serve God. There's no restriction to how much we can love God. There's no limit to how much we can express our faith. We can love God and pray anytime, anywhere, under any situation. We have access to everything that belongs to God. Maximize it. There are people all over the world who do not even have the opportunity to come to church on a Sunday. There are people who do not even have the opportunity because of government restriction to pray. Now that we have been saved, we have access to this freedom, this divine access. The currency of God is nothing else but faith. Faith. Just believe. Believe that you have it and progress in your journey. There are so many variables in life. There are so many variables in our life. So many things are changing. Friends change. People change. But there is one thing that is constant. Jesus is the only constant that we have. The word of God said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's constant. So you can depend on him. You can trust him. Make use and find peace in this divine access. That you have a God whose ears are so big that you can talk to him anytime. Jesus said to his disciples, cast your cares upon me. Cast your cares upon me. You know, as I conclude, talking about faith in believing that which God has given to us. There was a community of farmers who were going through a turbulent time. A time of drought. All the crops were dying, perishing. Business was crumbling. And these people said, enough is enough. Let's invite a man of God. We need to do fasting and prayer and pray it. A prophet came to that town and he gathered them all together and they started praying. But as the minister was ministering, leading these farmers to pray for God to send rain, he noticed that there was a little girl sitting in front. She came with an umbrella. As big as that congregation, one daughter, a girl, came with an umbrella. And the man of God asked her, why did you come with an umbrella? He said, because we are praying for rain. And God will answer, I will need my umbrella to go home. Most times when we pray, we pray without faith. We are assessing God, but it's just an option. We don't really believe it. You see, it requires us to be proactive and believe that that which we are seeking God for, God is able to do. Even exceedingly more. He's able to go ahead of us and make crooked paths straight. Isaiah 65 verse 4 said, and we answer them even before they call. You can assess God 247. His line is never offline. He doesn't go on voice mail or voice call. God is always available. So we can reach him anytime. We can reach him anywhere. Just assess him. Rather than struggle and lament and live in fear, just assess this freedom and say, Father, I come before you. The scripture said we should come before him boldly to assess the throne of grace that we may accept mercy. We are never perfect. Perhaps... In the course of the week, you fell short. You did something wrong. Don't let that crumble your day. Go on your knees. Find a separate place. Pass that to God. Confess your sins and move on. Hallelujah. You've made wrong choices. Confess your sins and move on. You've offended your spouse. Have opportunity. Pray to God. Talk to your, your partner, your wife, your husband and move on. Ascend the throne of grace and obtain every benefit that comes from it. And I pray that God will bless us in Jesus' name. I know a lot has been said, but hopefully you've picked a word today. 
that will guide you not just throughout this week, but in the course of the month and in the course of the year in the name of Jesus. Psalm 65 verse 4 said, Blessed is the man or the woman who shows whom God has chosen. And God has caused us to approach him that we may dwell in his house. That you and I will be satisfied with the goodness of the house of the Lord. There's so much goodness in the house. That is why whenever I stand here, I always say, well done. Because for me, the greatest decision that I ever made was to know God. And thank God I knew him on time. The greatest decision. No matter what, there is blessing in serving God. There is blessing in assessing and living the life of this true freedom. And I pray that the Lord will bless us in the name of Jesus. To conclude, as we live our life daily, we should not build a wall to protect us within our past. But we should allow the bridge that God has built to transport us from yesterday's mistake, yesterday's shortcomings, into the fullness of the reality of Christ. God's bridge is always available. We have to step on it and go through. The truth of the matter is, when God redeemed us, when God purchased us, there was no return policy. Hallelujah. That which God has saved, remains saved, is complete. Our freedom, we are free, and we are able to do that which may look impossible. Now we can love God fully. Now we can live our life unselfishly. We can love our neighbor. We can enhance the life of our neighbor. We can enhance the life of the church. So when whatever you do, whether you do it, whether it's few minutes, a few seconds, do it wholeheartedly because out of the abundance of the freedom that God has granted you, you are able to give out to your family. You love your family, your children, wholeheartedly. You love the church and every member of this church family, wholeheartedly. You love yourself wholeheartedly. Not living in the past. Not trying to be somebody else. Be yourself and trust God for that which he will do. And I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let's bow ahead as we pray. I don't know what it is that may have trapped us in the past. God is saying, don't look back. You can learn from the mistakes of yesterday, but don't get trapped in it. Don't let the past be a prison that holds you bound. Don't let the past be a prison that keeps you from enjoying the goodness of God. So many of us have had wrong experiences in a church family. As a result of that, we are not able to enjoy the current church family that we have. Why not pray to God and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, untangle me from every strains of the past, every prisons of yesteryear. I free myself wholeheartedly and I walk into this new reality. Give me the faith to take hold, to enjoy everything that heaven has to offer. Help me to be patient in my season. Help me to find peace with your pace. Help me to find peace with your speed. Even though it looks as if there are no answers, I will wait. Even though it looks as if the result is not as I expected, I will trust you. I will continue to love you. I will love you wholeheartedly. I will love my neighbor. I will make room that we are not all on the same level. But as we grow, we will make room to carry others with us. We will make 
reasonable compromises to always be a positive source of influence. And I pray in the name of Jesus. The Bible says the anointing breaks every yoke. Every yoke of the devil. Perhaps there is someone here who is being oppressed by the devil. In the name that is above every other name. We break that yoke in the name of Jesus. Every stronghold of the devil. We pray in the name of Jesus. The anointing that breaks every yoke. We break the yoke of failure. We break the yoke of depression. We break the yoke of recurrent sickness. In the name of Jesus. We break the yoke of financial poverty. In the name of Jesus. We break the yoke of marital disharmonies. Harmonies in the name of Jesus. Every agenda to break our homes. We break that satanic yoke in the name of Jesus. And above all we pray. The joy of the Lord will be our strength. The joy of the Lord will be evidence in our hearts. In the name of Jesus. We will live in joy. We will speak in joy. We will walk in joy. In the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name O God. In Jesus mighty name we pray. And very lastly. Perhaps there is someone here. Or someone watching us online. You are asking the question. Who is this Jesus? What is this freedom? And you want to make a decision. If you are here. In the auditorium, just put your right hand on your chest. If you're online, just pray with us and say, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. I surrender my life to you and I pray that your saving grace will cleanse me from my past, redeem my life, O oh God, and give me the grace to live in this new life in the name of Jesus. We thank God for your life and we welcome you to this new family. And we pray in the name of Jesus that together as a church we'll continue to grow. In Jesus' mighty name we'll pray. Amen. Hallelujah.